Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Um, Today, I got Dennis Lewis with us. So welcome to the show, man. Hey, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure to be here. Of course, man. Grateful to have you here. So um, kick us off. Tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Okay. Well, you know, uh, I guess before going any farther, anything weird I say is because I was born in a little town just outside of Roswell, New Mexico. So (laughs) it was the aliens flying around that probably caused anything. So, you know, if I start (laughs) speaking Klingon or something like that, that's your explanation. Okay, that's good to know. I appreciate that. Yep. Just, just a fair warning, yeah. Just a fair <laughs> warning. Um, you know, professionally, I am a. I like to think of myself as a storyteller. Uh, I, I've uh, over quite a few years learned that, you know, one of the most important skills that that at least I've been able to cultivate is to take something complicated and try to make it easy to understand and and to to make it relatable to people so that you know, it, uh, it actually has meaning. And for a lot of projects in the tech space and, and especially in the blockchain space where, where, where I spend a lot of my time, uh, you know, that's a pretty essential ability. You know, it's, it's complicated. It's not, you know, nobody's gonna tell you that blockchain and crypto is easy to understand or simple. And uh, so, you know, making it relatable and making uh, people understand the importance and the power of this new technology is, uh, is a lot of what I do every day. Got it. And I, I love this, man, because I, um, I just, I believe in, simpli- in simplicity. So I, uh, I just think that, because uh, uh, before we hopped on, like I was reading some of your, your bio and um, you were talking about, in it, you talk about some overly complicated sales funnels. That's more of my world. And, um, you know, what I've seen work the best just with like marketing is just the simplest funnel, right? Just something that delivers value <laughs> rather yeah. than tripwire, upsell, downsell, side sell, flip sell, ring a bell, you know, <laughs> like it's. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, as a marketer, I, I totally get it. That is kind of where our, where our industry has gone. It's all about shiny new stuff and, and, you know, gizmos and, and technologies and different ways of interacting with people. And all of that is really great. But I always like to tell people it doesn't make a hill of beans worth a difference if what you have to say doesn't mean anything if it's not you know it's the words on the page that in the end have to have to connect with with your audience otherwise you know you're you're spinning your wheels exactly yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more so really the first question is the storytelling part so it's it's probably a pretty big question but what do you so say if you somebody hired you to kind of tell their company's story if that's kind of what you do in some cases or even your own story like what happens what is the process when you sit down and you're like all right I'm going to storytell or write the copy on this sales page to demonstrate what we do in a way that the customer is can relate and that the customer would want to purchase if it's a good fit for them Right. Well, I mean, it all starts with the problem. Uh, for me, it always starts with the problem. You know, when you, when you sit down with a customer or client, it's always about, you know, who are you serving? Who are you trying to, you know, what is the pain that you, you get rid of? 
And, uh, you know, and that may seem like really obvious, but I've seen so many companies and I, I talk to so many people and they're, oh, we do this and that, and we have this new feature and we have this new ability and we're the best at this and we're faster and we're cheaper and we're, you know, and it's all about me, me, me and every, and I, and, and, and I, it's all great, but you know, who cares? You know, what are you solving? Why, why is what you do good for the people that are, that are going to give you their money? And that's where the story starts. The story starts with, you know, can I make your life better? And, you know, and then why, and then how, but, but it always starts with, you know, actually, you know, sitting down and saying, you know, what's the real problem that real people are having that, you know, my solution, you know, can, can help them with. Yeah, man, I think that is one of the, it's almost, it's pretty difficult, at least for beginners and even veterans like that are marketers, if you will, because I think it's like our natural instinct to just say because we put all this time right into building this service product whatever it is so we are you know innately proud of it so when we mm -hmm. get to talk about it we want to be like yo it has this it has this i did this this is when it's really not even about that it's it's completely about where is the customer at what pain are they going through and then how can you solve it kind of like you said so it's like just uh, yeah it's, you know you think about it and what you're saying is so true you know people you know, we, we get so hung up in our businesses and thinking about, you know, how to make, make what we do better. And we, you know, we understand it from the inside out. We, we get it, right? I mean, that's, that's what you live and breathe every day. And then you just kind of assume that everybody else is going to get it. And they don't, you know, pardon my French, they don't give a shit. I mean, they're, <laughs> you know, they're, they're all about their problems. They're all about, you know, what, what's, what's going on with them. They don't care how you you know, maybe they do, and, and, and in some cases they will, but it's not about, you know, what makes your service or your product, you know, incrementally better than the next guy. It's about, you know, how fast can you make their pain go away? And if you do that, it's, you know, it's real. It, it has value. That's what people want. They want their pain to go away. And uh, you have to identify that pain. You have to make them realize that that pain is, is, is real. And that then you can offer them a solution. And, and when you do that, you're, you're not selling them something. You're, you're making their life better. And that should make any marketer feel good about what they do. Mm -hmm. So uh, can you tell us some, because I know you've led like some successful uh, startups. Like, can you, can you tell us kind of your background in the startup community with some of the businesses that you've run? Yeah, sure. I mean, I started, uh, I started many moons ago. Uh, I actually worked for IBM for a while in the States. Then I worked for IBM in Europe for a while. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I, I realized that's, that's when I really realized that, you know, I was going to conferences, I was going to, you know, events from, you know, big corporate events. And, and, and I was sitting, you know, or, or, or listening to people talking about the latest version of whatever the product was they were selling at the time. And, the, you know, and, and you could see, you know, you could look out around you and see people's eyes glazing over and, and realizing that, you know, okay, that's all fine and dandy, but, it, you know, nobody cares about the, the you know, the, the next, you know, the next feature you've added onto your, you know, in, onto your product. I mean, they want to know, you know, what, what that has for me. And yeah. um, so I've, I've, I've applied that, 
you know, for, for a long time and in pretty much every business I've been involved with, uh, you know, just trying to keep things simple, trying to, 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 to help, um, you know, help make people understand that it's about making, it's about, you know, the improvement that you're giving the other guy. It's about putting yourself in your customer's shoes and, you know, not worrying about what that actually means to you. I mean, of course, you know, of course we all love to make money. I mean, that's, there's no doubt about it, but you know, the money comes from making, you know, making a big enough contribution to the other guy. Mm -hmm. So, so let's talk about this. Cause I know as far as I can tell, this is your current project. Maybe the one you're most passionate about is cryptopreneurs. So what is first, tell us what is cryptopreneurs. And then I got a bunch of questions about this topic. So uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine uh, called me up one day and uh, she was running a project, a startup, and, and she just, you know, she called up and said, hey, Dennis, we're going to do this thing, uh, this call an ICO, we're going to launch this new, this new digital currency and we need to market it. We don't know anything about marketing and will you help us? And at the time, I knew absolutely nothing about blockchain. I knew nothing about cryptocurrency. I just knew she was a, she was a smart gal. She was running a, uh, and 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 so I just jumped in. And like all good things in life, you know, accidents happen that are are for the better. And uh, and that's where I started really learning. And I started, you know, trying to figure out because, like most people, I my my initial thought was, you're going to make a new currency. I mean, you know, what is it? Monopoly money. And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, that's where, where the, where the journey started. And then I, I, I really started learning about the technology and about the potential and about, uh, it made me question a lot of the preconceived ideas I had about, you know, what money actually is. And, uh, and I just kind of fell in love with the, with the industry. And, uh, since then we've, you know, we've, we've helped quite a few projects. We've raised probably around $50 million for projects. And, um, you know, uh, I realized though uh, in this journey that the tech is really cool, but that the industry is lacking the stories. It's lacking the ability to actually make it relatable. And so I wrote this book called Behold the Cryptopreneurs. And, and it just talks about, you know, how to take this technology that is absolutely incredibly amazing and add to it what everybody else has learned for the last, you know, several hundred years about running businesses. And that's what's missing. And I think when that happens and when that, you know, when that's that, that entrepreneurial skill set merges with the technology, we're going to see some really incredible things happen. You know, man, that is, really enlightening so i um this is i i could like i think you are correct a hundred percent because i think this is the biggest problem is that the technology to a lot of people they don't understand it and then if you if you look at media outlets you have people like um jordan belfort that says it's a complete scam and then you have people on the complete other side that are saying like look this is the new technology this is going to change lives it's going to help people in venezuela but to the general public, right, we don't know how or what it's doing. So that's why I'd love, as long as you're willing, I'd love to like dive really deep with you in this interview to just kind of uh, make some sense of it all. 
So yeah, let's do that. That sounds that sounds like a good way to take the conversation. Yeah, because it, it is. It's just like you're being. It seems like it's in very extremes. There's no kind of like middle way. It's either like this is all like BS, or this is the best thing ever invented for the world. <laughs> and, and like all 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 things, the, the truth lies somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, so. Um, really, uh, a little background. I, I actually got involved. I think Bitcoin was about $600, um, a, a coin when, when I started to, and I, for me, I didn't understand the technology. I just had some friends that were in the space and they were like, yo, you should get in. It's probably going to rise. So There's more monetary for me. But, um, one of the things that I did notice, and one of the first questions I want to ask you about it is all the other coins. So what is your thought like to you is the main Bitcoin, the, the one that we should be looking at and then all the other ICOs are kind of like strange or whatever, or like what's your take on all of these coins? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. So one of the first things I, I like to tell people is, you know, the, it, this industry isn't about what you're talking or it shouldn't be just about what you're talking about. So, you know, you're kind of talking, you know, Bitcoin was 600, now it's 9,000. It's been, you know, it was up to 14,000. It's very speculative, very uh, financially oriented towards a, a marketplace of kind of, which is, uh, which is very exciting. I'm, I mean, no doubt about it, but I mean, you know, so, so is a football game, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you look at any industry, uh, you know, there's, look at soybeans. I mean, there's a soybean market out there and there's, a, you know, there's a commodities exchanges and you can, you can, you can trade based on the, on the futures of, of soybeans, right? And, and will it go up and will it go down? But in the end, you can also take the soybeans and you can smash them up and turn them into tofu. I, 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 God forbid I would ever want to have tofu, but, uh, <laughs> but, but you can do it, right? I mean, there's, there's actually something there. And if this industry, uh, blockchain and the crypto industry runs a risk of being the commodities market of soybeans without actually having the tofu. And uh, that's part of what my book is about, but it, it, the, there's a lot more to this, you know, and, and it all starts with, the underlying technology and and blockchain technology isn't really anything more than just a really smart accounting system not even an accounting system let's just call it bookkeeping all it is is a pretty clever way of keeping books uh and you know a lot of people say well man i've got quickbooks or i've got you know zero or i've got whatever the you know what why is this any better and the reason that it's better is because it, it is decentralized, which means there's no single point of failure. So it's like having a QuickBooks that is unhackable and is un, uh, you can't pull the plug on it because it's simultaneously being maintained by literally thousands and thousands and thousands of computers spread out all over the world. And they're all working together, synchronized to make sure that every transaction is, is you know, written down in the in the bookkeeping system correctly and it's un, unmutable it can't be changed and you know that kind of seems kind of boring and dull but when you start looking at the use cases that can be built over the top of that technology it starts really opening your mind to a lot of really really amazing things 
And uh, that's where the fundamental value is. That's where the tofu is. Um, and when you understand that, then you realize that the cryptocurrency part, which is sort of the speculative part, is only a part of the equation. And as long as they grow together and they, they make sense, then there's a, lot of, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of value to be had by everyone. But uh, we have to be really careful that it's not just about what price is Bitcoin trading at or Ethereum or Litecoin or any of the other cryptocurrencies out there. Uh, that's just a small part of what this industry is really about. And, and, you know, that's why in the book I talk a lot about we need to be teaching people and opening entrepreneurs' eyes to the amazing, you know, abilities of the technology to make their businesses and their industries more efficient. And by using that, the underlying, the value of those cryptocurrencies will undoubtedly go up. But if we're only looking to, you know, make the quick trade, uh, that seems like a pretty risky kind of business to me. Abs yeah, absolutely, man. I, um, and I'm glad that you said that because that's what it was kind of like is it, you know, went from 600 to 20 grand, you know, you make a little bit of money and then it's, it's so volatile. And then it, it took over my life for like six months or so. And then, oh, it's like, a, yeah, it's, oh yeah. gosh, it can be addictive. I, it oh really can be. <laughs> yeah, it was, dude. And then I finally was like, all right, look, sold some and I'm just going to hold some and then I'm back to my normal business. I'm done looking at this thing because it was going wild. And so this is what I want to ask you too. What is, so that we know where this is going, what is kind of like the utopia of, of blockchain? Like where, what is the goal that we're trying to achieve? So once it's there, like how, how are things working with businesses, with people? How is it going to help Venezuela? people because i've heard that like what's the utopia of this okay cool yeah so um i guess the you know to, to if you take the the broad look at things and 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 look back since you know look if we go if we look back at the 20th century you know the 20th century was pretty much you know from its beginnings is when the first you know kind of big corporate you know multinational businesses were starting to take hold and the 20th century was all about growing humongous corporations, worldwide corporations. And the reason that happened was because by building these big organizations, they were able to, you know, to scale and solve problems that beforehand weren't solvable. And towards the end of the 20th century, uh, we, this little thing called the internet was born. And suddenly, uh, you know, individuals started to have voices and they started to be able to write blogs and they started to be able to kind of do their own thing. And for me, the 21st century is all about that empowerment. It's all about, you know, the small guy, the small organization, the, the medium organization being able to compete uh, with these big corporations that, uh, that uh, you know, were born in the last century. And blockchain plays a really critical role in that vision because it now takes some of the biggest, you know, it, it takes some of the technology and it makes it available to everybody. And it opens the door to new business models and new ways of doing things. So when you have a bookkeeping system that is worldwide and exists and everybody can, can, can look at it and it's unhackable, uh, that means that, you know, entire industries can now transact, uh, you know, seamlessly 
using that, that ledger, using that bookkeeping system as a way of keeping track of transactions. Um, so if you look at logistics or you look at uh, any large industry, that allows smaller players now to be to have a a, a, a way into that market to, to be able to play and to have transactions in that market. So that's one aspect of what this could uh, you know where this can go. Blockchain has you know it has utilities in in you know uh, for democracy for keeping track of votes and, and voter fraud or for keeping track of. Imagine if we knew if we could actually look at every dollar spent by the US government and we could see where it went and that when it went. I would love Imagine, that. Imagine what that would mean to keeping politicians honest and making, you know, making sure that our government is actually spending our money on things that are good for us and not good for you know, just special interests or special or, or, or just flat out fraud and greed, right? Um, so these are things that blockchain could definitely do. Uh, in the case of Venezuela that you're talking about, uh, you know, well, they have a currency problem. They have a, they have a, a currency that is basically you know, worthless. And just by using cryptocurrency, uh, you know, people there are able to, uh, to store value without it disappearing. I mean, if you, you know, we take for granted that, you know, basically, you know, you go into Walmart, uh, every other day and the price of bread hasn't changed all that much, right? Mm -hmm. uh, imagine going into Walmart tomorrow and finding that everything was twice as expensive as expensive as it was yesterday. And then going in the next day and finding out it was twice more expensive. Well, those are the kinds of things that are happening in, in economies that are, that are like Venezuela, that are having, you know, currency problems. Um, cryptocurrency can definitely be uh, uh, can can help in that in that scenario. Definitely. Um, Got it. Yeah. So you know, and healthcare, uh, manufacturing, logistics. There's so many real world applications. Uh, I would you know we can talk about social media. I mean, think about it this way. When was the last time Mark Zuckerberg sat down and wrote you a check for sharing a picture of your puppy? I don't think he's ever done that. <laughs> I, I didn't get mine. You know, I was looking in the mailbox earlier today and there's no check from Mark Zuckerberg in my mailbox. I actually but guess what? For a the, the puppy picture, the puppy picture you put onto Facebook made Mark Zuckerberg money. Mm -hmm. He monetized your puppy picture and he does that every day with your puppies and your children and your everything you share on, on, on Facebook. And it's the same in any other their social network. He, he uses that to learn about you. He uses that as a platform to sell ads to advertisers. Uh, he's built something truly a, a platform from a marketing point of view that's absolutely incredibly amazing. But uh, all, the, all the, 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 the wealth generated from that, uh, why is it that it all goes back to Mark Zuckerberg and none of it comes to the people posting the pictures of the puppies? We're doing the work and he's getting the money. This is a perfect example of how we can use blockchain technology to change that, that paradigm. I think everybody should be, you know, if, if I'm sharing a picture of my puppy and people are going crazy because she's an adorable pit bull puppy, um, you know, if that generates abundance and, and wealth for somebody, I should get my fair share, right? 
And, uh, you know, we can do that kind of thing with blockchain technology. Got it. Okay. And then, um, so, so let's, let's talk about the other side of it now. So um, I know uh, w one of the things out there in blockchain and cryptocurrency um, is that there, or maybe just crypto it is, I always confuse the two, um, is there's a lot of scammers. So can you tell us about the kind of uh, evil side, if you will? Oh, yeah, of course there is. Yes, there is. And, it, and it's true. And, uh, you know, like pretty much any technology, I mean, good guys are good guys and bad guys are bad guys. And, you know, when there's a, when, when something smells of quick profit, you can, you can bet there's a lot of bad guys around. And that's no different in this industry and it's happened. And unfortunately it's, it still happens. I mean, you know, uh, I, it, there are carn artists everywhere and, and it, you don't have to build a, a super complicated technological platform to, 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 to steal somebody's money. I mean, that's just, uh, that's probably a hard way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, Hey, that, that is part of what is, uh, what has happened. This is, uh, you know, in, in 2017, more money was raised through ICOs and blockchain fundraising than the entire VC market for that year. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that's incredible. That's a lot of money. Um, and sure, a lot of that probably didn't produce the value that it should have. And, and that's uh, part of the reason I wrote the book is that, uh, you know, we have to deliver on the promises. Um, and scammers are out there. So yeah, I definitely, you know, don't invest anything you can't afford to lose and uh, make an effort to really do your homework because, you know, that's the, that's the truth. It's a wild west sort of uh, uh, marketplace right now. So, uh, you know, there's no, anybody who says that uh, scammers aren't out there, they're lying and they are. And, and it is something real that you have to take into account. Uh, and the way you cure yourself or you protect yourself is by understanding and educating yourself and learning and being cautious and, you know, all these basic entrepreneurial or investment skills that, uh, you know, that human beings have been learning for a long time. They still, they're still valid. Uh, so it's, it's, kind of the, it's kind of the, the, the biggest way I, I'm assuming there's, there's gotta be like multiple ways it's happening. But I remember, I think it was a few years ago, I read some article or something and it explained how you could create your own cryptocurrency. And the whole like emphasis of the article was how easy it is to actually just like create your own like coin. Mm -hmm. And then, sure. so is that what you think is kind of the root of the problem that people just create a coin and they're like raising money through the coin. And then once the price goes up, I guess they sell it for cash and then, it, or I don't know, it gets dumped or something. Is that some of that is, you know, some of that, there is some of that definitely that that's part of it. Uh, but the problem isn't that you can, um, so any token, any coin that's out there, uh, be it uh, a cryptocurrency or be it the U S dollar, um, you know, money is only valuable if we believe it's valuable. Uh, the U.S. dollar uh, is not and hasn't been for quite some time now based on anything real. Uh, literally, every bank prints money every day and pretty much as much as they want. You know, they, can, they have a license to print money. And we just keep assuming that that money is still worth a dollar. And, and as long as we all believe that, it is. And that's pretty much the case of any form of store of value. I mean, gold is valuable because people believe it's valuable. Uh, 
sure, we can make jewelry out of it. We could use it for, you know, printing circuit boards. There's, there's, it has other uses as well, but the real value of, of gold is because people believe it's valuable. And uh, cryptocurrency is the same way. So it's not a problem that people can create coins. It's a problem when people do it and they lie about what their intentions are. <laughs> that does happen. Uh, in my book though, I say that the scammers are probably the second biggest problem. Uh, in my opinion, the biggest problem is that a lot of the projects out there, even though they're well-intentioned, uh, they're solely focused on the technology and they've forgotten to do and talk about what we were talking about at the beginning of our interview here is that what's the problem they're solving? You know, I don't care if you're going to build a new blockchain that's faster, that's sexier, that's quicker, that's, you know, got more features or more functionality. All that is great. But it, that doesn't, that's just plumbing. You know, it, it's all about how are you going to make healthcare better in, or how are you going to make, you know, democracy better, or how are you going to make a, a supply chain more efficient? When you're actually doing that, that's where the real value comes from. Mm -hmm. I see, okay. And I know <laughs> you think right now, like blockchain is at a fundamental crossroads. So like, what, where are we at right now? And like, what are you kind of expecting if, if, you've, if you've kind of thought, I'm sure you've thought about this. Like, um, you know, we talked about the utopia of it, but where do you think we're at in the process? And what do you see coming soon? Like with the ups and downs of this? So when I talk to people in the industry, I always like to put things in perspective. Maybe on planet Earth, let's stretch it. And it's probably closer to 25, but let's say there's 50 million people on this planet that actually kind of know a little bit about cryptocurrency and blockchain. And, and that's probably about it. Mm -hmm. And there's another seven and a half billion people that still don't know anything about it. <laughs> so the crossroads is, is that we have to take something that has enormous potential and actually deliver on the promise so that it affects the lives of those 7.7 billion human beings. And when that happens, the pie is now enormously grown. That, that, that's when, you know, it doesn't, we won't be worried about the speculative price of any specific coin, or maybe we will, but there will be so much use for it that there will be intrinsic value. And that's where we need to go. And the way we get there is by doing what we've been talking about. It's about solving those real problems and proving that these solutions actually do things. I mean, <coughs> from a business point of view, and excuse me, I've got a bit of a cough today. Oh, yeah. um, think about this. There's a concept in, in blockchain called a smart contract. And basically a smart contract is a program. It's a, it's a computer program that runs on a blockchain. So on that a bookkeeping system, imagine if your bookkeeping system could automatically do things for itself. Uh, imagine, for example, uh, Tyler, that you and I are going to build a business together. We're going to do a joint venture and we are going to, uh, we're going to split the money that we, we're going to sell a service to, to, to clients and we're going to split the money 60-40. You're going to get 60 and I'm going to get 40 because you're, you're a smarter guy than I am. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've been in that situation at some point in your business career. And even more than that, I'm sure at some point you've been in a situation like that where the other guy didn't deliver. 
he didn't, you were owed the 40% or the 60% doesn't really matter. And he didn't give you your share. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just part of life, right? That's, that's just a business risk that happens. Well, what we could do with a smart contract is we could say, okay, we're going to put this into a smart contract so that when the customer pays, they're going to send the money to the contract and automatically that contract is going to give you your 60% and me the 40% that I'm supposed to get. And it's going to happen because it's an algorithmic thing that there's no way to, to cheat it. Once he pays, we each get our share. That's a very, very simple example of a smart contract. Uh, once it's deployed, it's deployed forever. And anybody who sends money to that contract, that's what's going to happen. And we can verify it and we know it's going to happen. Uh, now start building on that and thinking about all the possibilities of having this being this type of automation and moving actual money um, in, a, in a programmatic way. Think of all the ways that could make businesses more efficient. Now you don't need somebody, you know, checking and double checking to make sure you got your 60% and I got my 40%. You know it's going to happen. And imagine now that instead of just two of us, this is an investment fund and it's split up between everybody who buys into the fund automatically gets their share of the dividends. Imagine how that suddenly makes everything more simple for to, to manage. Now it, it just happens. There's no, there's no human in there that can, can screw things up or could, can run away with the, with the, with the whole bag of, of, of money. These are things that are just starting to become realities in uh, today in the blockchain industry. I mean, the smart contracts have been around for a while now, but they're just starting to get utilized in, in real world situ situations. And this is where we start snowballing out to those 7 million people. Do you know, <laughs> you know I have to say, you, you are a king of simplicity. I have heard the term smart contracts years ago, never understood what they were. I actually remember looking them up and every explanation, it was like confusing. The way you just described it is so logical and so simple that like it, it makes so much sense. And that is a huge thing because for any business owner, I mean, typically, right? Like, especially if you're doing like a done for you service, the client pays you and then you distribute that out to employees or freelancers um yeah parts of the project is but because i do books right i'm sure you went through this with your book mm -hmm. there's a formatter there's a um, book cover designer there's somebody who uploads the file distribute you know what i mean like there's a lot of different yeah. and sure. part has its own specialty the designer obviously does not do the actual distributing right because that would make no sense so and that and it would save a lot of time for the person that I have that distributes all the funds separately, if, it, if the contractors did it, that would be so easy. And then there would be no like emails or like, hey, you know, when are you sending? Like it would just. Yeah, it would just happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's now, I'm gonna, now I'm going to blow your mind a little bit more. Now imagine that you could do that and it would happen every time somebody bought your book. Oh, wow. It, 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 oh, meaning like if you had like co-authors or something? Yeah. Imagine you had co-authors or you had a deal where your marketer gets, you know, his cut of, of sales and, and boom, and boom, automatically it just happens. <laughs> Dude, that's literally one of the biggest kind of bottle or it's, it's just kind of one of the annoyances when you are a publisher and you start to really build up a big portfolio of authors 
like mm-hmm. bookkeeping and accounting, of sh- especially like overseas. Like I have authors that are in Australia, like all, all over the world. And there's all these different like tax laws and like all this stuff. Um, yeah. So when you're doing royalty splits and things like that, it can get very confusing and a lot of time and more money has to be spent for the accounting and bookkeeping to just keep track of it all. So um, yeah, now I am uh, very, I'm more excited about blockchain than I've ever been. <laughs> this is, so, Good. It's... is a smart contract or, or um, sorry, my mind's now spinning a little bit. So is a, um, is a smart contract something that is on top of the blockchain? And a secondary question to that, what is, because I've only heard smart contracts in regard to Ethereum, I think. So is that something different? Uh, well, I mean, uh, s- smart contracts are, uh, Ethereum is the, was the pretty much one of the first blockchain, blockchains to actually uh, deploy smart contracts. So you can't, uh, for example, Bitcoin doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, use uh, smart contracts. But now there are quite a few different platforms that uh, that do allow this kind of technology. So uh, this is this is the cutting edge of things that are happening. Uh, but it is uh, definitely a you know a very uh, exciting kind of uh, from an entrepreneurial point of view. You know, you and I, you're just like you're talking. You're, now you're thinking about a business process, and you're saying, "Oh, wow, I can use this to eliminate paying." five people to literally just keep track of all these, these royalty transactions every month because it happens automatically. And I know that everybody's getting their share. Wow. That's, you know, that now, now you take that and you blow it across an entire industry and imagine the efficiencies that can, that can be gained. Uh, You know, if you're, you know, imagine if you were paying, you, you, you have a package delivery service and you know, every, every step along the, the road, you know, from point A to, to being delivered at point Z, uh, you know, every, every transport company in the middle gets their fair share of the packaging of the, of the delivery fee, you know, based on, you know, the distance or the time or whatever it is that you decide. These are the kinds of new business models that, that, you know, really, you know, this is what I say cryptopreneurs need to be thinking about. And they need to be, you know, every entrepreneur needs to be really understanding, thinking, how can I use this technology to, to, to put myself ahead of my competition and to make, you know, to, to, to actually build new things. These are, these are things that, you know, imagine if your car could go buy itself gas. Uh, well hopefully you know hopefully it'll buy itself electricity right i mean you know uh, but you know it it could it could it could literally your car your tesla could drive itself to the to the recharge station and pay out of its own wallet its electricity and then go pick you up so and this um it's just because my lack of knowledge on it so how does this does the i'm trying to word this question do governments are governments for this or against this? And in one way or the other, why are they not or why are they for it? That's a great question. Uh, well, governments in general, they don't know. They, they really, they're, they're, I mean, I, I would say that the, the biggest conclusion I would say is that they're completely 
oblivious. They, they really don't know. They don't understand. They're scared in one hand and they're scared of missing out in the other hand. And they, they regulate one way for taxes and another way for securities. And it's, it's a big mess. To be honest, it's a big mess. Mm. Um, from my point of view, uh, also this industry has a very peculiar ethos. It has a, a kind of a culture, a counterculture, kind of weird, kind of anarchist vibe to it that it's all anonymous and things can happen and should be decentralized completely away from governments. And, and I think those are kind of quirky things that come from just where this technology was born. But in the end, people are, are subject to the law and, and that's good. And I, in my opinion, that's good. So uh, can, for example, a question you might could have, does the, can the IRS know every transaction that you've done with cryptocurrency? Uh, today, probably the answer is no. Uh, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll put a big probably there because they can probably know a lot more than you might think. Yeah. But the reality is you still have to pay your taxes. You know, it, it's not the technology. Okay, maybe they won't find the 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 ten bitcoins that you know somebody sent you this morning, Tyler, and you can just leave it in your wallet, and that transaction is not going to be taxed because they're not going to figure it. They're not going to notice. Well, the fact that they didn't notice doesn't mean that you're not defrauding the government. You're you you still owe the taxes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you still should abide by the laws of trading securities and you should still abide by the laws of doing business because laws in general are good for us. They keep us safe. They keep us, you know, they kind of give structure to society. So um, I'm not one of these absolutists who kind of thinks that everything should be decentralized and that, you know, this is a way of breaking the chains of government off of our backs and we just suddenly everybody's going to be hunky-dory and we aren't going to need laws anymore. Uh, I don't have that much faith in humanity. Um, Got it. So, so you know, having said that, there's, uh, you know, I think we have to we have to use this technology just like any other technology. I mean, you know, it, could we could we clone people to have four arms? Well, I don't know. Maybe we could, but we sure as hell shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so. Because I think what you're talking about there, if I remember correctly, there was, um, uh, I think, a cryptocurrency called Monero, and there was probably other ones, and they were, like, decentralized. So you're more on the side of, like, keep everything kind of public, if you will, like, transparency, and Monero's, and again, just for everybody listening, don't, like, take my words exactly here. Um, but it seemed to me Monero's side, whoever created Monero, was kind of on the other side being, like, look, this is all private. Nobody's going to know what's going on. Like you do your business with the people you want to do business with and it's nobody else's business. Um, is that kind of accurate or? Well, I mean, it, it's kind of accurate. I'm, I, I'm not against uh, the ability. I mean, I think that privacy is very important. Uh, so I'm not necessarily uh, against the idea that a blockchain can provide a certain amount of anonymity. Uh, I just think that that doesn't give you the right to do illegal things. For so, sure. I mean, if you're paying your babysitter with Monero and she's happy with that, that's fine. Uh, but if you owe payroll taxes on that, then you should still pay them regardless of where you did the money or the transaction, right? That's, 
And, and I guess that's kind of every individual's call on whether or not they're going to do things the, correctly or not. Um, I will say this though, that in general, blockchain isn't as anonymous as, uh, as a lot of people might think. And, uh, you know, and some platforms are more anonymous than others, and, and you're right. But I mean, it, it, is a, it is a bookkeeping system. So, I mean, sure, you could have as many Bitcoin addresses as you want, but once somebody knows that this address is yours, they can go and look at every transaction you've done with that address, and it's completely transparent. So, you know, it's not necessarily as, uh, the idea of this complete anonymity is, is, is a little far-fetched. It's, it's not really, when you really dig into it, there's an element of that to it. But I mean, my, my recommendation is don't do things that you shouldn't do. And, and you know, um, and then the transactions, I mean, transactions in Swiss bank accounts are anonymous as well, but that doesn't mean that, you know, that you can use them to finance terrorism, right? Yeah, that makes sense. <coughs> I'm, and I'm just curious if, if you prefer not to, to answer this, this is fine. But I, um, I, when I, when I was more into it, there was a, there was a lot of, I, we'll call it beef, like arguments fighting between, uh, I guess it was the original Bitcoin and then this guy, Roger Ver, Bitcoin Cash. Do you mm -hmm. have any thoughts on that? Or is it kind of just irrelevant? It's just like, look, just yeah, I don't think it's, I think it's kind of irrelevant. I'm, you know, it's not uh, like everything. People are passionate about things they believe in and that's great. I think that's yeah. awesome. Uh, but, you know, in, in the end, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I mean, we're going to disagree on stuff because we're human beings, but that doesn't really, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't make that much difference. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if you had, if you like believed in the fundamentals of one more than the other. Um, so yeah, I, I think the power of decentralization is really cool and it's really interesting, but I don't think we have to be Taliban's about it. Okay. Uh, you know, that that's kind of my, my, my personal philosophy. It's like, uh, there's this idea, you know, of the decentralized uh, uh, autonomous organization. You know, it's like a business that doesn't belong to anybody, and it happens on the blockchain, and it's anonymous, and it's, you know, you know, and 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 I think, well, as a theoretical kind of imaginative thing, it's really cool. But in the end, I mean, organizations of human beings have, are are pretty useful. You know, they they actually do accomplish things. Absolutely. So, you know, we don't have to be completely, you know, radical about every, you know, every idea. We can take advantage of decentralization and still have business entities and still have teams that work together and they actually know their na each other's names and they talk on the phone. You know, I mean, that's, it's not like it's, you know, we have to suddenly become, you know, anonymous ones and zeros and, and uh, you know, hide in our closets or something. <laughs> so uh one of the last questions i want to ask you because i feel like it might bring it full circle so what what can crypto uh learn from henry ford and mcdonald's i know this is a topic that you discuss yeah well i like to say that uh that henry ford was the first cryptopreneur and obviously he knew nothing about blockchain or cryptocurrencies but you know he was uh he didn't invent the car he didn't invent, uh, you know, he, did, he didn't build the best cars in the world, uh, but he built 
something really incredible. He built a business model. He invented car dealerships. He took, you know, the assembly line technology and, and, and really deployed it in the, in a, in a, in a unique way that nobody had ever done before. And, uh, and, and that's what I think, you know, we need to, as an industry and as, as entrepreneurs need to be thinking about it. This is a, this is a, a, this is a technology that could be just as radical as, as, as cars were. You know, Henry Ford had a vision that he was going to make every normal, normal everyday people be able to drive and go wherever they wanted autonomously just because they could. And he achieved that. And, uh, but it wasn't by building necessarily the best car, the fastest car, or even, you know, inventing specific technologies about the car. He built the system, he built the, the, the business model and he made it real. He took it to market and he, and he sold millions of cars. And if we do the same thing with this technology, uh, with blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, I think the ability to make the world a better place for humanity is really amazing, but we got to do it. Uh, otherwise it's just this crazy guy from outside of Roswell, you know, talking on a podcast. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, dude, th thanks for coming on. I, I really do. And I think the audience is going to feel the same way. I just, I have a much clearer understanding of this. So, um, yeah, I mean, the floor is yours. Last question, where can people find you, the book, and anything else that, uh, you know, people might be interested in? Sure. So the book is Behold the Cryptopreneurs. It's on Amazon. You can find it there in Kindle version and paper. Uh, if anybody wants to get the first four chapters for free, they can just go to cryptopreneurs.club. That's cryptopreneurs.club. And you can sign up and get the first four chapters for free there. And yeah, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Dennis H. Lewis, easy to find. And yeah, it's been, a, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me on. The Authors Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com. Your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.